podcast about anything and everything weather science earth science astronomy and we'll continue with our solar system quest of digging out some interesting things coming up in just a little bit and periodically from time to time off topic episodes that hopefully will be of some interest to you i am your host and the creator of the weather jazz podcast on brave morning here I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. And this is episode number 339. And today is Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. Uh, Again, in just a moment, we're going to return to the solar system. Well, actually, just outside the solar system. It's considered or hypothesized to be a part of it. Just outside the heliosphere, which is the influence of our sun on the space around it. We're going to be visiting a hypothesized place, better known as the Oort cloud. And why is it hypothesized? Well, nothing in the Oort cloud has ever been directly observed. And uh, so we'll be taking a rather speculative look. It's something that may or may not be out there. What we think we may know about it and a lot of what we don't know about it. It will be an interesting study. Just remember, the farther out away from Earth you get, the tougher it is to collect data and analyze it. Well, before we take a break, let's take a look at the current weather scenario We are back in the heat. Boy, what a very strange up and down pattern. Just over the weekend, we had temperatures that at least here at the Weather Jazz Studios got down to as cold as 43. That after temperatures made it up into the mid 90s just a few days before. Well, we're back up into the mid 90s. In fact, on Tuesday, we tied a record high temperature, 95 degrees at Hopkins Airport. Now, Toledo had a record high of 100. That was set in the very, very hot year. It was my first summer here in Cleveland, 1988. We had 36 90-degree days that year. And it was also the year of Cleveland's highest temperature ever recorded, 104 degrees. That was back on June the 25th of 1988. So suffice to say, it was a pretty toasty year. And Toledo holds the record for June the 21st, and that was 100. Well, yesterday, Toledo actually tied the record yesterday at 100 degrees. And one of the reasons it was so toasty yesterday 
the dew points were not quite as stuffy as they were back about a week ago. You see, the drier the atmosphere is, the more efficient the sunshine can work on the air molecules instead of the water molecules in the air grabbing the heat and storing it, better known as specific heat. So when the water molecules, or at least a lot of them, are not available, dew points yesterday were 60 and under, well, a lot of the sun's energy can go directly to heating the atmosphere in a much more efficient way. But if you're not a fan of the heat, don't despair. We've got some cooler air coming in. Cold front moves through today. Very few places will probably see a thunderstorm. Can't rule it out totally until the cold front actually comes through. And the best chance will be south of the turnpike today. But once we get to tomorrow, eyes will once again go from near or slightly above 90 to the 70s again. Well, when we come back, we're going to take a trip way out, just past. In fact, a lot past, actually, the Kuiper Belt and a place called the Oort Cloud, which is really speculative. I'll get into all of the details of why astronomers think it might be there, what its shape might be, and what its function might be. All that's coming up. Don't go away. Okay, everybody, buckle up because we are about ready to go exploring. Exploring for something that, well, is only hypothesized. Well, it may or may not be out there. If it does exist, it may contain this or that or maybe not at all. It's all a guessing game at this point. And it might be a pretty decent one. Good speculation. But the fact remains, the Oort cloud is something that has never been directly observed. Now, there's probably a pretty decent reason to believe that there might be something to this, and we'll get into some of the explanations of that in just a little bit. However, again, we don't know anything directly about something that we postulate exists. So, if you're ready to buckle up into this hypothetical world, here we go. Now, the Oort cloud actually gets its very first mention in 1950. It was first described in that year by a Dutch astronomer, Jan Oort. And by the way, the spelling is exactly the same. O-O-R-T, Oort. Once again, it is a theoretical concept of a cloud of predominantly icy objects that surround the sun. Now, the distances are, again, all speculative, ranging from roughly 2,000 to 200,000 astronomical units. And for those of you that prefer using light years instead, that would mean roughly 0.03 light years to 3.2 light years. That's big, and that's distant. Now, as theoretical as this Oort cloud is, it is separated into two regions. The first is a disc-shaped inner Oort cloud, or a Hills cloud. And that inner Oort cloud is actually named after Jack G. Hills, who proposed its existence in 1981. And that's 
pretty recent in terms of astronomical discoveries. And because it is so speculative, we often have to rely on models to predict just exactly what this looks like. And the models predict that the inner cloud, the Hills cloud, should have tens or even hundreds of times as many cometary objects and nuclei as the outer halo. Now, the inner Oort cloud is shaped like a disk, at least in theory, and the outer Oort cloud is shaped more like a sphere. And both of those proposed areas lie beyond the heliosphere and interstellar space. It's out there. Now, again, I'm going to have to caution you because many of the things that are theorized are not only based on theory, but theories that are built on other theories. For instance, the Oort cloud supposedly is only loosely bound to the solar system and thus is easily affected by the gravitational pull from both passing stars and even of the Milky Way itself. These forces occasionally dislodge comets from their orbits within the cloud and send them hurtling towards the inner solar system. And that's how we get to see evidence of some of the objects in the Oort cloud. Again, it's all speculation at this stage in the game, since we can only theorize where these comets come from. And according to some astronomers, although no confirmed direct observations of the Oort cloud have ever been made, it may be, underscore, may be the source that replenishes most long-period and Halley-type comets entering the inner solar system. Those comets have to come from somewhere, right? Okay, let me toss some numbers your way now. Remember, however, these numbers are based on theory, and in some cases, those theories are built on other theories. Okay, the total mass of the Oort cloud? Unknown. However, we can draw up maybe some interesting numbers, assuming that Halley's comet is a suitable prototype for the comets within the outer Oort cloud. So, given that, roughly the combined mass is about five times that of the Earth. Now, earlier in the Oort cloud theory, it was thought to be much larger than that, about 380 Earth masses. However, some improved knowledge of the size and distribution of those long-period comets has led to a lower estimate, and that again is about five Earth masses, which you consider if distributed over that huge area, better known as the Oort cloud, the distribution of particles is pretty slim. Now that's the outer Oort cloud, and that's the estimate. But it's interesting to note that there has never been an estimate published on the mass of the inner Oort cloud, that disc-shaped one, closer to the solar system. So what are the objects inside the Oort cloud made of? Obviously, all of that is speculation too. However, analysis from some of the comets, assuming that that's where the comets come from, indicate that the vast majority of Oort cloud objects consist of ices like water, methane, ethane, carbon monoxide, and hydrogen cyanide. Now, I could get pulled into a real rabbit hole here, but I'm going to resist that as much as possible and just say that there are a ton of theories about the origin of the Oort cloud. But those theories are all built on 
other theories. Essentially, the bottom line, we don't know. And more weeds now that I've decided really to not explore, just touch on the fact that there are plenty of theories about tidal effects. In other words, galactic gravitational effects of the Oort cloud, even from within our own galaxy. And here's a mouthful, something called stellar perturbations and stellar companion hypotheses. That's a mouthful. Am I going to go there? No. One more interesting hypothesis I will touch on very briefly here. In 1984, there was a physicist by the name of Richard A. Mueller. Now, he postulated that the sun has an as-yet-undetected companion, either brown dwarf or red dwarf, in an elliptical orbit within the Oort cloud. This object he dubbed Nemesis, and it was hypothesized to pass through a portion of the Oort cloud approximately every, oh, 26 million years, bombarding the inner solar system with comets. However, to date... There's no evidence of Nemesis. In fact, there's an increasing pile of evidence to the contrary. So, essentially, astronomers have thrown that existence into doubt. Nemesis is only an interesting idea. One more interesting tidbit about the Oort cloud is the fact that we do have space probes that have now exited the known solar system pushing into interstellar space closer to where the Oort cloud would be. However, space probes, all of them, have yet to reach an area of the Oort cloud. Voyager 1, which by far is the fastest and farthest one out there of the interplanetary space probes, currently it is leaving the solar system. It will reach the Oort cloud in about 300 years. Let's see, that would be somewhere around 2322. Hmm. And how long would it take to pass through the Oort cloud at its current speed, which, by the way, is pretty decent? It would take about 30,000 years to pass through the postulated size of the Oort cloud. But we have a little bit of a problem. Even though you and I won't be around on planet Earth in 2322, you see, the Voyager 1 will no longer be able to supply its own power through the radioisotope thermoelectric generators. And furthermore, the other probes that are currently escaping the solar system also, they are already or are predicted to be non-functional when they reach the Oort cloud. It's all theory, and it's theory-based on theory based on other theories, but it's fun nonetheless to consider that, well, it might be out there. We don't know. Well, that's about as far out as we are going to get in our exploration of the solar system. Of course, it goes beyond the solar system, but at least in theory, it's supposed to be kind of sort of a part of it, and it was fun exploring this hypothetical region with you today. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence any way you can. Social media, by email, by word of mouth. That's my favorite way. And help me to formulate ideas of what season three may or may not, should 
or should not look like. I'm looking for your email. I'm looking for your voicemail. If you have a question, a topic suggestion, or as we look at perhaps potentially closing up one season and potentially starting up a new one, I welcome your input. You can reach me, weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And now also via voicemail at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line 234-525-5888. Hope you'll join me in just a couple of days for Open Line Friday right here in Weather Jazz. Have a great Wednesday. Weather and science across the globe.